Hebrews chapter 10. As you open your Bible there, um, I'd like to uh, begin this morning by saying that the Word of God is clear. And the Word of God is, is simple. Don has said a little bit in the last couple of weeks uh, concerning the, the spiritual nature of hearing the Word of God, of, of knowing the will of God, of worshiping God. Those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. It's interesting, uh, the, the actual book of the Bible that prompted his consideration for the Sunday school class on worship, he hasn't actually spent any, or not at least not much time in it. And this is really, um, we were discussing afterwards, it's, it's remarkable to me how the passages that he made reference to I will make reference to many of them this morning. The blog that I wrote this week, The Honest Witness, he, he, we, we do meet once a week on Fridays to uh, pray, but we don't discuss the, the sermons, the classes, the studies, any of those things. We actually simply meet to um, share with one another burdens that God has given us concerning um, what he was wanting to accomplish in our hearts and lives. And then we just pray, not for individuals so much as for God's will, for our church family and for the church of God all throughout the world. And it's a tremendous blessing. But I I say this because it's very clear to me. um, It's very clear to me that God wants to speak to you. Everybody here. More and more and more, it's clear to me that God wants to speak to you. Somehow in the last um, 30 years, maybe, here in the United States of America, maybe before that, but at least in the last 30 years, I believe that uh, there are many people here this morning who hear, will hear this message and who will think, what is he making reference to? What is he really trying to get to? What is the... What is the the sentence behind the sentence. And the answer is, there is no sentence behind the sentence. That's not what I'm doing up here. I have no interest in, in, in carefully using the Word of God to accomplishing individual things in your life from the pulpit. Now, I'm glad and willing as a pastor to meet with any one of you individually, and, then, and there we will discuss things that are personal. But that's not what the preaching of the Word of God is for. The pulpit, the, this time together on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, this is not to steer the direction of the church at all. This is just to proclaim the Word of God. There are many times when we assemble, assemble we can assemble in as large a group as is willing to assemble. There are many times throughout the week and throughout the months together that we actually assemble for purpose concerning praying for direction, knowing the mind of God, and, and, and having a desire to go in whatever direction. But the purpose of this time is faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's that simple. In other words, there's no agenda. 
The only, the only purpose of preaching is that each and every one of us would be exposed to what the Word of God actually says. That the Word of God might have its perfect work in our lives. That you might say yes personally. Every single, every single Sunday school class, Sunday morning service, Sunday evening, every single time we assemble, Thursday night class, Monday, whatever it is, is an opportunity for each and every one of us to say yes to God. Or no to God. Every now and then I make reference to something from my past. It's funny how, it really is funny how I can't remember where my keys are, but I can remember all the lyrics to a bunch of albums that I listened to when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. Things that I wish I could just put out of my mind. And yet, in, 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 the world understands things to a degree. There's a, there's a line in a song, some of you will probably recognize it, some of you won't, and I'm glad for you. But if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. If you choose not to decide, if you sit here this morning and you say, I'm just going to be unaffected, then you've made a choice. Interestingly, by the way, as I begin to preach now, what's going to happen for you, there's a pretty good chance that you're not going to be changed while I'm preaching this morning. You either came here this morning to hear from God, or you came here for any other reason. If you came here for any other reason, the chance that you'll actually hear from God during this sermon is pretty low. But if you came here to hear from God, the chances that you'll hear from God during this sermon are 100%. 100%. For the law having a shadow of things to come, this is chapter 10, verse 1, and not the very image of the things. The law, listen to me, hear me. The Levitical law, when you read Leviticus, when you read Numbers, when you read Deuteronomy, when you read everything that is done in the temple, understand this, everything that was done in the temple was a picture, a shadow, a demonstration. It was pointing to something true that was far greater than the picture itself. None of us share a photo of our child or grandchild and pretend that this is the real thing. This is an image of the real thing. This is precious to me. Why is a picture precious to a parent? It has nothing to do with the picture. It has to do with what the picture is of, amen? Yes? This is a picture of my child. This is precious to me. Not the picture, but what's in the picture is precious to me, Amen? The, all that is done, everything that is done in the tabernacle or in the temple, everything that is done there is precious to God because it is a picture of His beloved Son in whom He is well pleased. Amen? Amen? But none of it was meant to take away sin. All of it was meant to point to the Christ who was promised to come to take away sin. Amen? Amen. They can never, it says at the end of this verse, with those sacrifices which they offered year after year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. It could not accomplish their salvation. It could not make them perfect. For if it could, for then would they not have ceased 
to be offered, once it had done what it should have been done, would we ever need to do it again? Because the worshipers once purged, if that were true, they should have no more conscience of sins. Their their sins would be taken away. But in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again made of sins every year, over and over and over again. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, for this reason, when he cometh, when our Lord Jesus cometh into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. I'm telling you, but a body that has prepared me. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Son, full of grace and truth. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book, the whole thing, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offering for sins, thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then he said, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. When he does this, he taketh away the first, that he may introduce, that he may establish, that he may put before us the second. This second by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standing daily, ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sins, but this man, but this man by himself, amen? But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting, waiting, until his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Amen. Amen. Here's the question. Are you sanctified? Are you sanctified? (laughs) That's the question. That's the only condition in this verse. For by one offering... For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that go to church. That's not what it says. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are baptized. It's not what it says. It's just not what it says. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are really good friends with the preacher. It's just not what it says. It's just not what it says. It's not what it says. Them that are sanctified. Them that are sanctified. Are you sanctified? Are you sanctified? What is sanctified? Good question, right? Has to be a good question. It's kind of the point of the verse. What, what is sanctified? The word sanctified here, you recognize it. It's the same word. It's used often. It's, it, 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 is, it, has the, it has at its root holy. It's, that's the, the, root, the root Greek word is holy. It has the idea of being made holy. Holy. It has the idea of being made holy by separating it from whatever it was doing before 
and setting it to a new purpose. Amen? Amen? This is a drinking glass. Yes? It has been set apart for the drinking of water. Amen? Yes? Nobody's ever um, drained the oil out of their car and used this glass. Right? Nobody's ever been cooking bacon and decided that they would pour the grease into this glass. By the way, there are, there are cups, you know, typically made of, of not of glass, typically. Uh, typically, they would be made out of uh, rock, and they would be glasses. My grandmother used to keep all the bacon grease, right? Anybody else do that? Amen? Don't throw that away. That's, that's gold right there, amen? Especially in America, amen? Or, or should we say America, 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 bacon is gold, okay? But this, this has been set aside for a specific purpose, so that it can hold clean water. L- literally, this goes from uh, the cupboard to Malcolm putting uh, ice in it, pouring water in that, bringing it here. I drink it. It goes back. I imagine is washed. <laughs> if it's not, don't tell me, but I imagine that it's washed. And then it goes through the process again, but it's been set apart. It's been set aside. Now, I want you to recognize what made the glass set aside. Not the glass. Not the glass. This is important. This is important. Are you sanctified? Are you set aside? Because Jesus, if you're set aside, if you're sanctified, then guess what? Then you've been perfected forever. There's a statement that many of you have learned growing up, have heard growing up. It's called once saved. All right. And that's true, but there's no biblical phrase for that. That's not a biblical term. That phrase does not exist. But the idea that those that are sanctified are saved is a biblical idea. Those that are... Now, interestingly... If you go to the end of this chapter, and we will go to the end of this chapter in our, in our study of this, if you go to the end of the chapter, the end of this chapter, probably a full third, if not more than a third of this chapter, is given as a, to, as a warning for those who are not sanctified, for those who have been coming for a long time, for those who have been religious and believed, quote-unquote, in Jesus for a long time, but they're not new creatures. And they are in great danger of simply demonstrating what's true about them. They're not real. They're not sanctified. They are their own workmanship. They are not his workmanship. He hasn't made them new creatures. They are simply convinced that, they, that Jesus is special. And they want to be around other people that think Jesus is special. But eventually, eventually, they are going to demonstrate that they are not real. And you say, oh, that explains some things about people that I know who used to go to church, who have nothing to do with the things of God anymore. I thought they had just fallen away. Well, they have fallen away, but they have fallen away because there's no root in them. They have fallen away because they're just not new creatures. Let me say this. Let me say this. Part of this, part of this, maybe much of this can be laid at the feet of those that preached their salvation. We're just going to sing one more just as I am. And if you don't come on this 70th singing of it, we're going to shut her down today. 
That's very dangerous. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you what it would take you to not come forward if God were dealing with you. If I stood in, if I stood up, if Dr. Smith stood up, if Pat stood up, they're kind of close to each other, Rick stood up, Dr. Hardison stood up, and faced you as you were coming, let's say you were John James, and you were coming from where John is coming, and you were coming to the altar, and as you came, everyone in, on the aisle turned around, not the women, but all the men on the aisle stood, stood in the aisle and said, you cannot go down. You would say, oh, but I will go down. I will go down. Nobody has to convince somebody the Holy Ghost is dealing with to get saved. Nobody has to convince anybody that's being dealt with by the Holy Ghost to be saved. Nobody, nobody, nobody. That would be like convincing a baby when it's time to be born to come out. Amen? And by the way, I have as much power over you being born again as you had power over being born the first time. Amen? Did anybody remember their first birth? You don't, so don't bother to raise your hand. I've been there for some of your first births, amen? Not many of you, but a couple of you. They all have last name Pearson. <laughs> My wife did all the work. I had nothing to do with it, amen? I, I did hold her hand. And she holds, holds pretty hard too, by the way, amen? <laughs> but you just were born. How can, listen, this is such an important question. Some of you, there's actually somebody here probably this morning. Pastor, how can I be born again? I hear what you're saying. I recognize that I need my sins to be dealt with. And I don't think that I'm really a new creature. How can I be born again? Let's go back to chapter 3. We're a long way from there now. But the beginning of this book deals with how you can. Go to chapter 3, verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Let's just stop there. Okay. How can I be born again? Don't harden your heart. Don't harden. You want to hear the voice of God? By the way, this is true even after you're born again. You want to hear the voice of God this morning? Yes or no? You know how I can tell? You know how we can tell? Whether it, has any, whether it actually accomplishes anything in your life or not. We could tell. But listen, the, the, only, the irony is this. There are many people who will say, I was there. I didn't hear the word of God. I didn't hear the voice of God. Well, then you hardened your heart. The, listen, but Bob, <laughs> when Bob Bornfleth, the very first time that I ever talked to anybody about my soul in reality, the very first time I was convicted about sin at all, the very first time I asked this question, how can I be saved? This was the response that I was given. Oh, oh, if you're not saved... It's because you don't want to be. Because God is not willing that any should perish. Then how is it that so many perish? If God is not willing that any should perish, how is it that so many perish? And the answer is this. They harden their heart. When God begins to speak, they go like this. Nope. Not listening. The question was asked during the Sunday school. Uh, this question was asked of our Sunday school teacher in this room last week about the soil. The soil, well, if the soil is not good soil, if the soil is rocky soil, how can that be the soil's fault? And the answer is because you hardened your heart. Yes? Let's not blame God. Let's not blame God for millions and billions of people rejecting his love. Let's not blame him because it's not his fault. If you will hear the voice of God, 
This is the answer. Don't harden your heart. Just don't. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance, which is what? Stop hardening your heart. Change your mind about this whole thing. I will no longer have it my way. No more. No more will it be through human effort. No more. No more will I pretend. No more will I try. I will soften my heart. I will humble myself. And I will acknowledge, I need you to speak to me today. I need to hear your voice, not the preacher's voice, not what's coming from the pulpit, but from the word of God itself. Amen? And it's simple. Just don't harden your heart. By the way, the same thing is said in verse 15. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Go to chapter 4 and verse 7. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Amen? What do you suppose God's trying to say? Harden not your hearts. Yes? Every one of us understands what it means to, to actually hold up your hand against someone. Yes? By the way, you know what's interesting is there's a passage in 1 Peter where it says that God gives grace to the humble, but he we resists the proud, right? And I've said this before, the, 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 uh, the, way, <clears throat> the way that's expressed, he resists the proud, I understand it. It's easily understood to me through a sports analogy, and that is a stiff arm. Anybody know what a stiff arm is? Anybody? It's really remarkable. The running back is running down the field. He has to carry the ball, right? There are men, grown men, very fast, very strong men, and it is their desire to tackle him. His only real defense is the hand he's not holding the ball with. But if he can get his hand out far enough before they can hit him, he can literally stiffen his elbow and actually stop a grown man from colliding with him and deflect them and keep on going. A stiff arm. God stiff arms the proud. He stiff arms the proud. I will approach you. I will attain to you. I will be like you. Stiff arm. No, you won't. By the way, I'd like to see you by that stiff arm. So I'm a pretty strong man. Yeah, you're not stronger than God's stiff arm. Amen? But God gives grace to the humble. Amen? The irony is this. God stiff arms the stiff arm. If you harden your heart, say, I won't want to listen. He says, that's fine. I won't talk to you. But he has never, never, Jesus said, all that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. He has never rejected a humble cry. Never, never, never. Praise God. Say, but I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible sinner. Then cry out. Amen? Then cry out. If you will honestly cry out, then he will honestly save you. Today, if you will hear his voice, just put your arms down. Right where you're sitting right now, all your defenses, just put them down. Deal with my heart. Deal with my heart. Please, God, deal with my heart. There have no many times when I was being dealt with by God, I began to beg, please don't let me win. Please don't let me win. Please don't let me win. Because I knew that my heart was deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. I knew that I would twist what he was trying to accomplish so that I could keep what I wanted and say that I was letting God deal with me. Please don't let me win. Please don't let me win. Please don't let me win. Please save me from me. Amen? 
Amen. Your greatest hindrance to salvation has nothing to do with the world or Satan. Your greatest hindrance to salvation has to do with you. Your greatest hindrance to growth has nothing. Stop blaming the world. Stop blaming this world system and the direction that our country is going for your inability to grow because it has nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that at all. Daniel grew wonderfully in a horrible place. Yes? God wants you to grow. And the only way you won't is if you reject him. God wants you to be saved. The only way you won't is if you reject him. It's that simple. Let's, let's, you, you want to see this? Go back to Hebrews. Excuse me. Not Hebrews. Romans. Go to Romans. Romans. Chapter 6. Verse 16, know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servant to obey, his servant you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now look at verse 17, put a big old circle around verse 17. Verse 17 is one of the most remarkable truths in the Bible. Here's where, here's where man's responsibility and God's sovereignty meet. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. But, now this is true of you if you are sanctified, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Amen? 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 How was I set free? I hardened not my heart. And I believed the gospel when it was preached. I obeyed from the heart, not from the head, not for everybody to see, it began in my heart. Again, um, who was it? Cheryl. Cheryl. Cheryl Pless, you won't mind me sharing this. Uh, we weren't here. We were in another church. Cheryl came down. Um, she, she came down. She, I don't remember where. It almost seems like we were on that side for some reason, but maybe it was in the center. But anyway, she came down. She said, uh, Pastor, I'm saved. Which, you know, she'd professed to be saved for a long time. Pastor, I'm saved. And then she said, I wasn't saved when I got out of my chair, but I was saved on the way down here. <laughs> Amen. Amen? She already knew how to be saved. Her husband was a preacher. She had grown up around the gospel. She knew how to be saved, but she had rejected it. She had held herself against God. Same thing, Patty. I believe Patty was saved at the, at the tent meeting as soon as she stood up and started to walk over and started going like this. It's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. Same thing with Joe. The same thing. We can go from one salvation to another salvation to another salvation to another salvation. It is the moment that you realize, I got to stop hardening my heart. I got to let God in. I got to let God in. I got to let God in. I can't keep up this charade anymore. And praise God, I don't need to. And I will be done with my pride. I will be done with the facade. I will be done with all of this human effort. And I will just believe God. And I will obey Him from my heart. I'll get up right now. You know, I will arise. I think of Sheffy every time I start singing that. Amen. I will arise and come to Jesus. Amen. I will arise and come to Jesus. I have to have Jesus. Right? You have to have Jesus. You can't come to the preacher and get saved. You have to come to Jesus and get saved. You can't come to be a Baptist and get saved. You have to come to Jesus and be saved. Amen. But I'll tell you right now, I mean, I can only testify to me. But many of you can say amen when I'm done if you want to. I was lost. 
but now I'm found. I was blind, and now I see. It's not religious effort. This is not, I didn't psych myself. Oh, you have no idea how I didn't psych myself into this. Amen? God saved me. And I needed to be saved. I did not need religion. And I had rejected religion. And I'm glad I rejected religion. But Jesus saved me. That's what he does. But let me tell you this. When, I, when he first began to deal with me, when God first began to deal with me, I promise you, I tried to attain to God by walking over and talking to him. In other words, I tried to reach God in my own strength. And I know I've shared this testimony with many of you, but God said very, just almost audibly, if you will not humble yourself, you will never know. Amen. Because stiff arm. Yeah. Stiff arm. God resists the proud. No, we're not going to talk like this. We're not equal. You know what? If you were equal with God, he would talk to you like that. You're just not equal. And you say, well, why didn't you talk to me like that anyway? Because then you think you were equal. Because that's how selfish you are. It's how selfish we are. We already think too highly of ourselves. You surely don't think you're as good as God, do you? Well, we're just not. Do you have any idea? Honestly, do you have any? With two, they cover their feet. With two, they cover their face. And two, with two wings, they fly. And they've never sinned. And they cover their feet and they cover their face in the presence of God. And all they say is this, holy, holy, holy. We have no idea what the holiness of God is like. No idea what the burning, powerful holiness of God is like. And yet he so loved us that when we were selfish, I'm telling you, I didn't even, the filthiness of it doesn't even bother me anymore nearly as much as the selfishness of it. When we were selfish, dreadful sinners, the Son of God died for us. God died for us so that we could have his holiness because we could not attain to it ourselves. But God, be thanked you have obeyed, excuse me, you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart. Let's go back. Let's keep going backwards. Let's go back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Let's go to verse 9. Now, let's go back to verse 6. I know. We're not going to go back to verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He, John, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, whoever this light is, and we, we understand that that's the Lord Jesus. And notice what it says, which lighteth how many? Every man that cometh into the world. People have said to me more than once, what about those poor people over in such and such? For some reason, it's often Africa. What about those poor people over in Africa who have never heard? And the answer is, Jesus, Jesus lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Every, every human being on the planet has conscience. Everybody does. And, and, and the heavens declare 
the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Every all of creation says there is a great God. There is a great God. And your conscience tells you so also. Jesus lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Let's keep going. He was in the world. And the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own. This is our Lord Jesus coming to the Hebrews. And his own received him not. Now let's go to verse 12. But, praise God, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. How can I be sanctified? Don't harden your heart. Hear the word of God. Obey the word of God. Believe on him. Yes? Let's, see, let's, let's, let's go to verse 13. Which were born, not of blood. In other words, and this would go to, in my life, Amanda and, and, and Rebecca sitting beside each other, which works out well for me because I often say their names backwards, even though they're not anywhere near at the same age, although they are about the same height at this point. Um, Amanda and, and Rebecca, Amanda's sitting by Matt, Rebecca's the one not sitting by Matt. Just want, that was for their benefit, so they would know I got it right. <laughs> they were born of my blood, right? Yes? And my wife's. When they were born, both my wife and I were already new creatures. We were already born again. Do you know how much good that did them for their salvation? None. None. You can't, you're not born a Christian. You're not born a Christian. Even if both your parents were born again when you were born, it says, which were born not of blood. That's not how you get to be a Christian. Being born in America doesn't make you a Christian. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. You understand that, right? Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. So what that means is this, you can't make yourself a Christian, nor of the will of man. I can't make you a Christian. Yes? But of God. Amen? How can I be sanctified? How can I be set aside? God will have to do it. God will have to do it. How can I get God to do it? Are you kidding? He wants to do it. Just don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Obey from the heart that form of doctrine. Believe on him to as many as received him. To them gave him power. Authority, by the way, to become the sons of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Your flesh hates it, but it's still wonderful. You cannot have this through human effort. But praise God, if you will humble yourself, it is a gift. Let me give you my son. Amen? Yes? It, the gift is God himself, as Don was pointing out in the Sunday school class. Let me give you myself. I died for you. Amen? Do you trust me, or do you trust anything but me? Amen? That's the point. God is not saying, do you trust me, or do you trust yourself? He's saying, do you trust me, or do you trust anything else but me? And the answer is, I trust God. Honestly. Let me say it this way. I trust the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I trust the Father of Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ. That's who I trust. I believe that he actually made a plan to pay for my sins. And when he says, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, my Lord Jesus Christ is that one. Amen. When Jesus says it is finished, it's because it is finished. Amen. It is finished. Amen. And I'm not being saved. I am saved. By one offering. Let's go back to that now. Let's go back there. Now we can go back to... Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. 
For by one offering, verse 14, for by one offering, his offering, praise God, he hath perfected, not is perfecting, hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Amen? When Jesus says upon the cross, here's the, here's the thing, tetelestai. Many of you have actually heard that said that way. Tetelestai, paid in full. That's what, that's what, that's, that's a tetelestai. Do you recognize in tetelestai the word telos, right? Which is goal. The word here, perfected, is telos. Okay? When Jesus says it is finished, he is saying it is perfected. It is accomplished. What do I have to do to be accomplished for it to be finished in my life? What do I have to do to have a perfect salvation? Trust Jesus. Amen? Receive him. Harden not your heart. Stop being religious. Hear the word of God. Amen? Now, we've really reached the end of our time together this morning. Some of you have uh, thought about something, whatever you were thinking about. Some of you have leaned your head over and napped or whatever. And I'm not being mean. That's that's, That's what's happened. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for those of you who didn't hear that God loves you and wants to save you. I'm sorry if you didn't grow this morning. Really, and I mean that honestly. This is not, this is, I'm saddened if you didn't get a chance to grow this morning. Or you didn't get a chance to be changed this morning. But the truth of the matter is, if you didn't, it's because you didn't listen to what the Word of God said. Because isn't it very simple? Isn't it very clear? To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. To those who, if you will hear, would you like to hear the voice of God, then don't harden your heart. Say, well, I won't harden my heart. I just don't care enough to listen. No, that is, that is actually a hard heart. Anything but the listening heart is a hard heart. Anything but a desire to know the truth, that's a hard heart. That's a calloused heart. You understand what I'm saying? God's desire, it's very wonderful, very wonderful. Just don't harden your heart. If, if you're sanctified, if you're sanctified, you're perfected. Forever, forever, forever. My salvation is secure because to tell us die, because it is finished. Because Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleansed us from all of it. Praise God. Amen. Now, now he is changing us, conforming us to the image of his son. Now we're growing. Now we're being changed. Now our selfishness is going away, and his selflessness is becoming true in our life. Now we begin to care more about each other than we do about ourselves. Now the glory of God matters to us. Now the glory of God matters to us above all things. And the good of those around us matters more than anything else. Why? Because we're being conformed to his image. How is that possible? Because we're new creatures. Amen? Amen? Because I wasn't born of somebody else's getting me to make say a prayer but because I actually said, God, I have to be rescued from me. Amen? I receive the Lord Jesus. I must have that salvation. 